Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. One funny little story before we start. Um, a great footballer named Bob Fulton died and um, our school was across the road from Brookvale over where Manly plays. So he was the greatest player in the history of Manly. And, you know, it's between him and Andrew Johns and a couple of others for the greatest player in history. But... Uh, we're all keen footy players at the time, but I remember going to watch. He was the number one rated player in the world, and we'd go after school and watch them train. And we were w- aware that he was incredibly gifted, but the thing that struck us and taught us a lot regarding sport and life was, even though he was incredibly gifted, that wasn't what he relied on to be a great player. And he always came over for a chat with us. He was a fantastic guy. But he would just be the last one there. Not, not killing his body, because that's not always a wise thing to do, but practising all the little skills, the sidesteps, the kicking, the catching, the sending three or four guys the wrong way. And it just it's, it stuck with us, but it brought me to this story. Um, at the moment, if you're a Manly supporter, they lost their first six games, and their best player, Tom Tribic... I can't say his name. Travojevic, but I call him Tribicek. Um, uh, came back from injury, he didn't play any of those, and then they won their next six straight. So he's kind of becoming a Manly legend and in the Manly area, big news. But I saw this in the paper. Manly Primary School, you know the school signs they have out the front. The teacher puts up there, how can I improve my learning today? We are learning to spell Tribicek <laughs> or Travojevic, however that's spelled. I just, as a school teacher, I like that. I thought that's a, that's a good teacher. Okay, we're looking, we're doing this series, The Seven I Ams of the Gospel of John. We're up to number four today, I Am the Good Shepherd. Um, Donna in uh, the Offering Word said an amazing thing about God wanting to bless us and it quickened to me that proverb that says, God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his children. And the whole Old Testament concept was that God was trying to take them into the promised land from the land they were in, the land of not enough, into the land of more than enough. And that's exactly what he does with us. Sometimes we think, like, you know how we have justification as a Christian, so we know we're going to heaven now because we've accept Christ. But then there's sanctification where he works on our life and he prepares us. But sanctification isn't just, you filthy, rotten thing, I've got to make you pure. Sanctification is something he does in you to prepare you to live a life, even here, of more than enough. Why more than enough? So we can roll around in it and smoke $50 notes like a cigar? No. More than enough so we've got something to share with others. Um, And plenty for yourself as well. Lack is not a permanent address if you're in the kingdom. And you're never to apologise if God has blessed you because you all go through lots of trials on the way to be prepared. So when the day of blessing comes, please don't hang your head and feel embarrassed. Just, you know, chin up. You tithe, man. You, the, of course the blessing will come. You'd be, you'd be proud of it. It's a, it's a lovely thing to see. Um, Psalm 23, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, is the absolute classic of all shepherd scripture. I remember Ros's grandfather was a godly man, Russell Walker, and um, he beat Don Bradman at tennis once. But anyway, um, his favourite, I just saved, and his favourite scripture was Psalm 23, and they had it at his funeral. But he would talk about it a lot. And it left me when I became a pastor with a real imprint 
of the Lord is my shepherd on me. What an important psalm and scripture that is. And I remember in the early days of the church, we had this great story. It's a bit, it's a tough story, but I forget how it goes, but I remember the ending was this. So a lady was trying to teach her kids to be godly. So when they were little, she'd always teach them, the Lord is my shepherd. So she'd teach the first line to them on their hand, but she, this is what she taught them. When you get to my, you wrap your whole hand around your ring finger and you hold it and you go, the Lord is my shepherd. And one of the little boys fell off a cliff and died and they felt terrible and they were worried about what pain he went through and everything like that. And when they found him, he was in that position. Isn't that amazing? Right? There's such depth and beauty in that. Um, so it's not just a nice scripture. It's, you know, it's, it's beautiful in, in life and death scripture. Uh, John 13, sorry, John 1, 3, right at the start of John, it talks a lot about light overcoming darkness, how there is darkness in the world. It's a bummer, isn't it, the whole darkness thing? It's like, we all just want to come to church and have a good life and have the blessing of God. And on we go and everything goes right. And it kind of doesn't work like that. There's a whole darkness thing to be overcome. Hence, the whole reason for the message, we need a shepherd to guide us. It's not just take it or leave. It is a nice shepherd and we'll have a bit of that. This is, this is life and death. And one of the things that really stood out to me as I ploughed into this was there were so many attempts to ruin the plan. Jesus was here to be our shepherd, but the enemy worked so hard to, to ruin the plan. Um, Satan appearing in the Garden of Eden, you know, to deceive, to deceive Eve and cut off the plan from the start. The temptation of Christ in the wilderness, he really wanted to take Jesus down before the, his ministry started. Um, what about the killing of the firstborn? How heavy is that? Like, this is a tough earth. People go through tough times. It's not accept Christ and everything's okay. Now, no, no, there's a battle to fight and we really need him to get through it. Um, what about the failed attempts on your life and to cut you off from your destiny? Um, one of the things that, that really stood out to me in studying for this was uh, there are so many different blessings God wants to bring into our life, but he's sort of not a short-term worker. He prepares us. And then he brings a blessing, then he prepares us, and then he brings another blessing. It's like me going, God, I want to marry Roz. Okay, next week you can get married. No, no. Seven years later, after he's worked on my heart and my soul and my mind, and I'm able to treat her properly now, then he gives it to me. It's so much, that's so much an analogy of life. Um, and, and the hassles we go through and the ones where the enemy tries to take us off track but we come back on track is called Christomorphic, which just means Christ forming in you. So he uses every trial to form more of Christ in you. Um, I like this. Uh, Frederick Brunner says, Prehistory is planned by him. Midhistory is rescued by him. And in post-history, we rule and reign with him or exist without him. The good shepherd leads us, feeds us, protects us. Um, I was reading a poem this week and a famous Australian poet named Judith Wright had this really interesting line. 
she talked about this girl she knew who just became too isolated. And there's this line in the poem where she says, she planted an island where she lived and then drew it around her and wouldn't let anyone in. And I thought, well, I'll be honest with you, I thought, that's like me at home. I just love solitude and it's like home's my island. But then I just want to shut it off. You know what I mean? It takes about four days and then I need people again. But I thought we're like that as humans. We, we do have a tendency to want to create our own world that just kind of suits us. But it's funny how, you know, loneliness and trials and things like that make you break out of that, make you think, you know what, I think I might need church this week. It gets a bit lonely on your own. Um, anyway, okay, so, so let's just read. From Scripture, John 10, verse 11 to about 17, I think. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's the highest characteristic. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and actually cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep, and a lot of commentators said this is where he's talking about the Gentiles, so he's actually kind of in a way talking about Israel, but now he includes the Gentiles, which is you and me in there. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen, I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. I love that about heaven and kingdom. Forget about denominations and different churches. One flock, one shepherd. Oh, man, I love that. And I, I think I'm going to love the end of the age. I don't know what, how I'll see it or where I'll be, but where Jesus appears and everyone's like drawn, all the kingdom people, drawn out of their church, and there's just Jesus and his flock. It's not going to be, oh, ACC, you know, you'll be in this section. <laughs> it's not like that. Um, one flock, one shepherd. Okay, that'll do. Let, let, let me move. So first point, Jesus has a plan for you. The thief has a plan to trick you out of it. You don't have to be too scared, but you do need to be aware. The good shepherd is noble and wants what is best for you. The hireling cares about other stuff and what's best for himself. Jesus' life for you is inclusive of all good things. Satan offers you one good thing to get you on the path of destruction. So he's willing to let you have a bit of pleasure or a bit of fun or a bit more control than what you should have, and then he'll use that to get, to get you off track. The good shepherd gives his own life for the sheep. The, the false shepherd throws you to the wolves to protect himself. Whoa. For example, David was a good shepherd. He took on the lion and the bear and didn't throw lambs to keep them busy while he, while he got out of there. Matthew Henry says this. I found this really, really challenging. Those who care about their own comfort and safety more than their proper responsibility are easy prey to Satan. Don't let your fear overtake your morals. I just see this, and I think we're all a bit vulnerable to this, but please be careful of this. When someone, you know, betrays us or, you know, does the wrong thing and we suffer, 
we can get so victimised that we throw out our morals and integrity and start acting like a different person who wants to, you know, murder someone or kill someone or destroy their reputation by lying. <laughs> We're not supposed to do that, you know. You're supposed to still act like a Christian even when, even when someone persecutes you. Interesting. It doesn't mean be a doormat. You can stand up for yourself, but there's ways to do it. One role of the Holy Spirit in life is to expose the hearts of people over time. It shows who are his sheep and who are not. Now, I did write this. This is really important. If you realise you're not, just repent. Even Peter had to do that, didn't Different ones of disciples just had these moments where they got the shock of realising they weren't fully Christ. Even though they'd promised to die with him, when it came to the crunch, they actually weren't prepared to and fear overtook their morals. But there was a way back. That's the whole point. So it's not just when I say God exposes hearts and we're all picking these people we don't like thinking, yeah, get them, yeah. Well, what happens when it's your heart that's exposed and it needs some work? So that's okay. Well, you, you stay calm, you trust, you believe, and you go to them and you say, I'm sorry. Let's, let's change that together. Um, I found this, this grief story because grief's one of the interesting times where it can be difficult with people. This person says, uh, his name's Joseph Bailey, I was sitting torn by grief. Someone came and talked to me of God's dealings, of why it happened, of hope beyond the grave. He talked constantly. He said things I knew were true. I was unmoved, except to wish that he'd go away. And he finally did. Another came and sat beside me. He didn't talk. He didn't ask leading questions. He just sat beside me for an hour and listened when I said something, answered very briefly. He prayed simply and he left. I was moved and I was comforted and I hated to see him go. So insightful, hey? Love it. Love it. All right. Yeah, so even, even Jesus does that. Even Jesus, you know, has a moment of problem with the father like do you really care do you really love me on the cross my god my god why have you forsaken me so watch this the son follows the father and on the cross even when he felt forsaken the next step was he confided in god wow that's a high trust in the midst of some doubts going on that you still choose to trust um Someone said the other day, it was in one of my devotionals, they said an interesting thing. I said, the highest level of faith is when you trust. <laughs> it's not so much, these are the promises of God, I'm standing on that. So that's helpful, by the way. They're great. You know, don't not do that. But he said, there's a higher thing than that. It's trusting who he is and that he won't abandon you and that he will get you through. And Ed, that really helped me. Okay, second and last point. Uh, Frederick Brunner says this, so I want you to test your spiritual intelligence here. There's no right answer, but just see what insight you get. Brunner says, this is the key issue about the Good Shepherd. He says this, the key issue is the sacrifice. It's not eating mutton. Have a think. Some of you will get better insight than me. So Jesus was the lamb that was slain, so that's mutton. My take on that was 
uh, it's not <laughs> eating mutton, so it's not great. I can get everything I need out of him. So a bit of that's good. But if it just stop and ends there, okay, you know, and you treat him like Santa Claus, okay, now I want this, now I want that. Can you run around after me and make sure everything's okay? And the only thing we do in prayer ever is intercession. Hey, not good enough. You're supposed to spend time with him and know his voice and share your heart with him. After that, do a little bit of intercession, sharing your heart, telling him the things you're concerned about. So it's about the sacrifice, and he's the good shepherd. That's why we worship first before the word, not just the benefits. Um, okay. Jesus' death reunites man with God. It reunites man with man as well. The ultimate aim is one flock with one shepherd in the church and in heaven. Um, not so much ownership and independence and self-sufficiency, even though... I have way too a strong dependence on those three things. Um, my regular challenge is trust, unity, and fulfilled in Christ. Not fulfilled by position or something else, but just fulfilled in Christ. So <laughs> that's huge. So that's, that's a daily challenge. That's why when we come and there's a song in church, you know, forgive me, Lord, or cleanse me, we, we need it because I'm like you. I get stained by the world regularly. Someone has a bad attitude to me and annoys me and I have a bad attitude and, or something sticks and you're afraid when you shouldn't be. That's just regular life. So it's quite normal to come to church and be soft and teachable and humble and go, okay, sorry, God, some of that stuff stuck when it shouldn't have. Um, that's, that's just how, how it should be. I was sharing that with a pastor yesterday. He was freaking out because his numbers were going down and we just kind of dwelt on that kind of stuff. Um, my sheep will listen to my voice. Uh, quite interesting, because when we first started Teachers College, neither of us knew that we needed God. We kind of both were brought up in church, so we believed in God, but no personal relationship with Christ. And it was interesting, because we both nearly got kicked out of college in the first year. Roz, in her practice, wanted everyone to like her and wasn't prepared to be tough on the kids in case they didn't like her, so she just burst into tears when she lost control of the class. <laughs> And I said, look, you're really an emotional baby. You, you might need to let it go. But anyway, she, she dealt with stuff and moved on. <laughs> so, so that's a reasonable thing when you're first doing teaching. Not me. I'm in the final exams at year one, and the lady who's in charge isn't doing anything. I'm cracking jokes and yelling out to people, and she's not doing anything. So I get my pea shooter out. You might have heard there's other pea shooter stories, and I'm like, <laughs> People are trying to study. <laughs> like, So she doesn't say anything but reports me to the board of the college. They pull me in the next week and they said, we're going to kick you out. I said, oh, please don't do that. I'm 27. I've got no other hope. It's the only hope I've got. No one told me I had to behave in exam. They're like, geez, you're immature. We thought you would have known that before you came here. You can't teach kids. Like, they just hammered me like for about an hour. I stayed humble, luckily, somehow. And they said, if you can give us an ironclad guarantee that, that you'll behave and be responsible in the things, we'll, we'll, you're on your last warning. Anything else wrong? Boom. So, guess what? It was good for me. But I'm driving in the car today and I'm thinking, oh, wow. Because I still think, you know, why didn't you just say something? Look, mate, shut up and sit down or I'll report you. I was like, okay, well, she didn't do that. But guess who else is like that on the earth? 
That's what God does with us. You're supposed to develop the responsibility to know some of that stuff. He doesn't have to keep interrupting and go, excuse me, Bobby White, don't do that. <laughs> I had to pick you because you trust me. Um, but, like, he, you know, he, does, he just lets us do it and suffer, doesn't he? And, and whoa, but that was, that was a lesson of a, of a lifetime for me. Hey, behave, or not a lot of people are going to yell at you. It's not school. <laughs> After school, it's not like school anymore. The teacher doesn't yell. You just suffer when you're an idiot. You suffer. Ah, okay. My sheep will listen to my voice. Why? Because he's not a half shepherd. He's a complete shepherd. He's committed. He has complete knowledge of every aspect of your being, past, present, and future. He knows what things are untapped in your soul. He knows your strength, your weakness, your number of days, and your suffering. And the Bible says he suffered in all ways as we do, so he has understanding of that. His sacrifice was complete and good enough and thorough and it was accepted. His resurrection is, is the sign of that. So we live in an amazing world. I, I had lunch with Don and Shona Houston this week. It was just an interesting thing for me because Don's retired and they're doing lots of gardening. But he was talking about when I said last week how we feed the soil and the soil feeds the plant. So this is what he does to grow his herbs and veggies. This is amazing. He just chucks the scraps in his compost bin. When the soil's ready, he takes it out and he puts it in his, you know, in his garden beds. He never plants any seed. And stuff, all of a sudden, just grows. Because there was seed in, you know, in the vegetables and the scraps. I never knew you could garden like that. I'm thinking, <laughs> this guy's a miracle worker. I'm buying seed and... You know, breathing on them through winter so they grow in the sunroom at home. And Ross is going, get that stuff out of here. It's messy. And that's me, that's me trying to grow plants. Donna uses just like turns the barrel, chucks it in the garden, walks away, comes back in about a month. And there's stuff growing everywhere. He took me out and showed me. I thought, wow, he's a miracle worker. But there's some, I, I think part of the kingdom's like that, not just do nothing and everything happens, but I think in trust and hope, it just works a bit like that. Sometimes you just have to <laughs> let life do its thing and live in truth and trust that, that the fruit of that just, just comes through anyway. Speak the truth, suffer for it, and wait. The truth prevails. Spurgeon says, He that speaks truth shames the devil and confounds all the seed of the serpent. So just a small example. Someone's mean to you at church. So instead of threatening to punch him in the nose, inside, you just leave it, let it go through the keeper, and you think, oh, you'll suffer for being an idiot like that. The Holy Spirit moves on that stuff. That was easy. No anxiety, no stress. Just go home. God will deal with it. I love that. He sees the church as his own body. He identifies with you. He's not ashamed of you. He purchased men for God with his life. He identifies with you. You are my body. He provides for you. You shall not want. Um, do you know what I like most about the... Can you just put those photos up of the, of the unusual relationships we have in the church and the kingdom? I love this because a lot of us got to be friends here and in normal life just wouldn't be. These are all connections of, of animals that kind of got together and just got on. Isn't that beautiful? 
I always think with that one, the guy's trying to take a photo of a cheetah and the cheetah sneaks up behind him and looks at the thing. I just love that about kingdom, that, that it just puts partners together out of people that wouldn't normally be. And it's just, it just adds this width and this depth to your life that's, that's so incredible. And every now and again, we get a bit of a shock and thinking, wow, they're really different to me. They must be screwed up. And 10 years later, you think, I was actually the one that was screwed up. They were actually really nice. <laughs> We'd normally finish just by reading Psalm 23, but for time we, we won't. All other shepherds are only a shadow of him, so I'm not putting these down, but this is some of the categories. Parents, pastors, school teachers, nurses, doctors, counsellors, providers, minders, bosses. It's, they're all beautiful because they carry, you know, a little bit of that pastoral thing, but no one's Jesus, the good shepherd. So regardless of whether life's a bit tough with those or they, those help make it really good in your life, you have got Jesus as your good shepherd, knowing his voice, listening to him. That's, that's where your hope and your victory, that's where your hope is and your victory comes from. Thanks. Very nice to... Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit macroylifechurch.com.au.